Mugabala Books is Australia's oldest independent Indigenous publishing house. Mugabala was founded in 1984, and in the four decades since, it's published over 270 works from more than 300 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander authors, artists and illustrators, hailing from all over the country. Its large stable of authors include celebrated writers like Ali Cobby Eckerman, Anita Heiss, Alexis Wright and Jack Davis. In 2020, Mugabala, which is based in Broome in West Australia's northwest, was named Small Publisher of the Year at the Australian Book Industry Award. But now there is a changing of the guard on the horizon for Mugabala. CEO Anna Moulton has decided to move on after a decade at the helm. And I'm very pleased to say that Anna Moulton joins us from Broome now. Welcome to Sunday Extra, Anna. Thank you, Julian. Where does the name Mugabala come from? Mugabala is the name of a bush fruit. It's actually a parasitic vine that produces a fruit that looks a little bit like a banana. It's not so curvy, but it can be eaten. But also when it dries out, it releases a large quantity of very long seeds, which have a pointed end. And uh, Merrilee Lands, who was the first editor at uh, Mugabala, she tells a story that it was this idea that we wanted to spread our stories across the land and the idea that these seeds would travel through the air and fix a place inside the minds of Australians and people all over the world. Well, metaphorically, I think that mission's been accomplished over many decades, but let's go right back to the beginning of Mugabala. I know this is before your time, but could you give us a little bit of an insight into how the organisation itself came to be? Mugabala Books was born out of the incredible move towards self-determination that was happening in the Kimberley region in the 1980s. And uh, in 1984, there was a large cultural meeting of elders and, and cultural leaders from across the Kimberley in a place called Numban. Uh, and it was at that meeting where elders decided that they needed to establish the Kimberley Aboriginal Law and Culture Centre and that that centre needed to also have a publishing arm. I mean, Mugabala in the beginning was extraordinary. You know, it was maybe one book was published a year. People were getting out in the troopy and driving across the Kimberley to sit down with storytellers throughout the Kimberley. The challenges were really great for Mugabala in those days. And so every single book published was an extraordinary achievement. You originally hail from Melbourne. How did you end up being the CEO of Mugabala and working in the Kimberley, Anna? Oh, it's a bit of a long and circuitous journey. Uh, I uh, ended up doing a small stint at Wallyote Artists in Balgo Hills Community, working at an art centre there, and then went on to become uh, art coordinator at Warman Art Centre. And then I've worked for traditional owners, Mirong Gadrong in the East Kimberley, and found myself working for Nugalajandu in Broome, the most wonderful textile organisation, Aboriginal women's textile organisation. And throughout all of this time, more than 20 years, I think, I'd always looked at Mugabala. I saw my first Mugabala book in 1996. It was Footprints Across Our Land, which is the women's stories from that region around Balgo Hills, Wiramanu. And I thought, oh, that would be a wonderful job. I'd always loved books and was always casting my eye around, thinking, would publishing be the thing? Would a bookshop be the thing? And then after I left Woman Art Centre, I started contacting Mugabala, which I contacted a few times to see if there was a job going. And uh, finally, I moved to Broome and was here at the right time. Could you give us a bit of a snapshot of what Mugabala was like as an organisation, as a business, when you came on board, and how you think things have changed in the decade since? It, it had been an incredible organisation that had managed to thrive and survive throughout, you know, the last 20 years, up to 30 years before I arrived. 
I think publishing, anyone who understands publishing and especially the independent publishing sector knows that it's actually very hard to make money out of books. The mm. margins are so incredibly tight. And when you combine that with publishing stories, Australians didn't even know that they were ready for yet or that they wanted perhaps. It's, it's not been easy. I mean, working from a remote area, of course, there are increased costs to do with freight and operational costs in remote areas. When I arrived, it was in a challenging financial position. And so I think one of the best early decisions I made as CEO was to appoint Rachel Binsala as publisher. Yes, I wanted to ask you about that because you described that as a, as a really pivotal point for Mugabala as an organisation, but also for you personally. Could you tell us why? Yeah, look, Rachel is... is <laughs> She'd hate me saying this, you know, she's, she's really part of the furniture at Mugabala, or she says it herself, but, you know, Rachel started her career as a trainee editor at Mugabala Books uh, when she was about 19, and, you know, throughout the following years, she took on many different roles, and so she's someone who thoroughly, thoroughly understands the business, and throughout that time, she's raised her family, raised her sons. When I started, Rachel was working as an editor in the publishing team, and she was working part-time. And there'd been a bit of a changeover of staff. And I saw Rachel there and I said, Rachel, can you please be acting publisher? And she was a little bit reluctant at first. She said, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm, you know, ready for this. And, you know, she had a lot on her hands with four boys. But uh, she said, okay, I'll do it. And then it was very apparent very quickly that she was the publisher. She needed to be the publisher. And uh, I think that that is an enormous turning point in Mugabala's history. It had been a long time um, since Mugabala had had an Aboriginal person as publisher. You know, the, the board of Mugabala Books is made up entirely of Kimberley Aboriginal people or Aboriginal people who've lived in the Kimberley for at least five years, um, which connects the ownership of Mugabala back to those elders who had that original vision for Mugabala. And because, you know, voice is everything at Mugabala own voices, making sure that the organisation is Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander controlled, run and led. And so, you know, having Rachel as that primary voice, you know, the publisher is essentially the artistic director and she has led this incredible flourishing period of time for Mugabala. On Sunday Extra, we're speaking with the outgoing CEO of Mugabala Books, Anna Moulton. And Anna, knowing the importance of Indigenous identity and empowerment and how at the core of the Mugabala project it is, I wonder if you could give us your reflections on what it's been like to be the CEO of that organisation as a non-Aboriginal person over the last decade. Well, to be honest, Julian, I'm even a bit uncomfortable now being here at the microphone because I've made sure to be the person in the background because I'm a non-Indigenous person myself. Well, you know, whilst, of course, I have the board support and, and Rachel support to be speaking, the personal pronoun, our voices, our organisation, our people is something that only a First Nations person can present. So it's not normally me behind the microphone, but uh, for me, it's I'm just incredibly privileged. I'm the person who's had this opportunity to do a dream job you know, so many Aboriginal people throughout my career have invested so much in educating me and uh, I have worked very hard to try and ensure that I have uh, returned on that investment. And I think working with Rachel, it's been such a gift. You know, we've developed a great friendship. 
but we've had a very honest relationship. It hasn't always been easy in the beginning. You know, I came in with all of my publishing, you know, deadlines and, oh, when are we going to do this and how can we meet this deadline? And Rachel had to, you know, unlearn me, as she puts it. And she says, you know, anyone who comes to Mangabala has to sort of unlearn what the mainstream expectations are and to realise that for the publishing to happen the way it needs to happen at Mugabala in a First Nations-led approach to publishing requires time. Rachel always says, I'd rather be right than first. So that also means putting aside some of those demand, but it's really important, particularly because of the complexity of so many of the works that Mugabala Books publishes, that it requires the time, relationships, and the integrity in the process is just as important as the final book. You mentioned that uh, Rachel Bin Salah um, came on as publisher in 2014, shortly after you became CEO. That was also the year that one of Mugabala's most famous titles, Dark Emu by Bruce Pascoe, was published. I wonder if you could speak to us a little bit about what must have been the extraordinary experience of being the publisher of Dark Emu. I think, well, every publisher, but particularly the small and independent publishers, you know, dream of having a book that is a bestseller. And certainly Dark Emu has been that book for Mugabala Books. I think the thing that was so exciting for us as a team, you know, for the board of Mugabala and, and for our team, but it was this sense that Australians were ready, that something was changing, that the audiences were hungry to know more information. And I think the interesting thing too is that even if we take out the effect of its sales, all of our other titles increased as well. And you know, our sales actually doubled, even removing the dark emu effect. Mm. And we've seen, you know, an incredible number of our titles, you know, winning national literary awards. And, you know, there was the Black Lives Matter movement, which really saw kind of an increase in awareness. And also, particularly for Mugabala, it was interesting that so many people were seeing the importance of Aboriginal run and controlled organisations and the need to support them. So I think that we're very optimistic. You know, now we're seeing this incredible flourishing era where First Nations authors are winning awards left, right and centre. We've got this incredible tradition of storytelling that people are well, celebrating and becoming aware of. So Mugabala is thriving and flourishing, as you said. Why have you decided that now is the time for you, Anna Moulton, to step back as CEO? Well, uh, that's a, a combination of factors, but I think it's really important to always keep your mind on when it is a good time to leave. And I feel like, you know, it's really in a great place to hand over to someone else. And I think that no one's indispensable and it's really important to step out and to create new opportunity. And so I'm just hoping that there is someone incredible out there who has been waiting in the wings, watching, thinking, oh, gosh, it's taking a long time for that CEO to leave. She's been in the job for all this time and, and <laughs> that, uh, you know, the job closes at midnight, actually. So it's not too late to apply if you want to be the successor of Anna Moulton as CEO of Mugabala Books then? No, it's not. And I, I will tell you that, uh, you know, make sure you get something in because I did actually ring up once and asked about the CEO job and they said, no, sorry, it's closed. <laughs> um, and I just missed out. But, uh, you know, I tried again many years later. But, uh, you know, I think make sure you get something in if you really believe that you're the right person for the role. Anna, thanks so much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra. Thank you, Julian. That's Anna Moulton, outgoing CEO of Mugabala Books. And as Anna said, applications can still be made till midnight tonight if you want to be the successor of Anna as CEO at Mugabala Books in Broome. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.